morning. Uh, it's been good. It's, uh, it's tough when there's loss in our lives. That's a, always just a, such a difficult thing. But, you know, life goes on. Life is life. It's tough. It's good. It's sad. It's glad. It's just all kinds of things. And then in this world today, there's a lot of confusion. A lot of stuff going on that really brings... Uh, just confusion to the mind and thinking, you know, how can people think like they do in so many different circles, different circumstances. And today what I'm sharing here, what I hope you leave with, is to understand that God has given us a manual for living life. And uh, he says to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And in a city... A province, a city in the middle of the universe, it seems like, of prosperity, what we've been experiencing. You know, it's very common biblically to be distracted from the things of the gospel. And uh, I want to share today from the Joshua chapter 1. And I was right at this time when I started at the first service, and I said I'd get them out by 10.30, and I should be able to get you out here by 12.30. So Joshua chapter 1, if you want, you can grab one of them Bibles in front of you. And uh, what we have going on here is Joshua is being asked by God to go in and take the promised land. It's a pinnacle moment in the children of Israel's lives because they've been promised for 500 years up till this point that there's a promised land for them to inherit. Joshua is the one that's been nominated by God to carry the people or lead the people into the promised land. And so we see here... Um, Joshua is, uh, was a servant or an aide of Moses who followed and served Moses in Moses' life. Whenever you hear of Moses, you hear of Aaron. Not often did you hear about Joshua, but the one particular time was Moses and Joshua were in the tabernacle praying, and Moses left, Joshua stayed and prayed. Another time you hear about Joshua is when they were sent out the 12 spies. Joshua and Caleb were two of the 12 spies that went into the promised land to scout it out and come back. Joshua and Caleb were the only two that were gung-ho and said, we can do this, we can go, God is for us. they just seen what happened and they come out of Egypt. But the rest of the spies discouraged the people and as a result, a plague come out on those other men and God dealt with them because they discouraged the people and then went back into the wilderness. So Joshua and Caleb out of the whole tribe at that time are the only ones coming into the promised land. And so Joshua, they don't know who's written it, but he has had a hand in writing some of it. And so it is, it's one of the historical books of the Old Testament, and it's to help Israel uh, figure out where they've come from, to keep in mind where they've come from, and who they are, and who they represent being God, and that they're people of God. And it's a dynamic book. It's one of my favorite books because it's one book in the Old Testament where you see a lot of action by God and him moving on behalf of his people. And it's one of the few times it seems in the scripture where you see the people of God being willing to do what God's asking them to do. And as they're being responsive and doing what God's asking them to do, they see the mighty hand of God come through and they're doing things that's totally beyond them. And God gave them the land. And it's amazing, territory after territory. And today we have a little bit of a struggle with this kind of thing because of the destructiveness of what went on here. And I believe, like Pastor Paul and I took a course, Joshua and Judges, and I think that Pastor Paul is going to speak on the uh, holy warfare, and it's called the harem warfare. And uh, it's uh, because the Ark of the Covenant always went ahead of the children of Israel, 
uh, into battle, and that made the warfare a holy place. And if you, like I read, and I don't have the details, but what was going on in the land of Canaan was just awful, what was going on as far as the morality of the people and the stuff that they were doing. And uh, it was just a season of judgment on the land, and, and of course, God's timing in it all. So Joshua's the character. He's the man that is taking Moses' place. And as we see in verse 1 here, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, uh, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them and Israel, the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river Euphrates, all the Hittite country, the great sea on the west, and no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So there's Joshua's command by God. He's just been, you know, the influence of Moses in his life for the past 40 years had to have some kind of an effect on him. He, uh, the scriptures talk that Moses had the spirit. Moses was coming to the end of his life and he knew his time was up. And he, Moses is praying and he says, God, send somebody to lead these people. God says, go get Joshua. And he brought Joshua to the tabernacle where God was meeting with Moses. And God, uh, Moses laid his hand on Joshua, commissioning him to be the leader and imparting God's spirit into Joshua, leading him and uh, giving him the authority to lead the people into the promised land. And so Joshua's ready, but yet you got to believe that there would be a little bit of trepidation, a little fear and trepidation there with Joshua and what he was about to do. I was trying to look up and see, you know, and there's, they figure there was, a, you know, over, just over three million people going to be going into the promised land, and, and he's one man, like three million people, that would be quite a sight to see. So Joshua, he's got these men, women, and children. He's going to lead into the promised land. And here's what God says to him. We see in the first five verses what he's going to do. They see in the next uh, three or four verses here how he's going to do it. Now there's giants in the land. We read that, like we read that. If you go back into Deuteronomy, you read that. that They said uh, the spies the first time said they didn't want to go because the, the people are too strong. The walls are too high. The cities are too big. There's too many people. The territory is just too massive. And uh, they had such a negative mindset. And when they told the people, the people got discouraged and they didn't want to go. And uh, it's a sad thing because they went in this time and they come back saying, let's go. Let's take it. And so we see at verse 6, God's telling Joshua, okay, Joshua, this is how you're going to go about taking the land. Now, Joshua, before this, he's not saying, well, okay, well, we've got to get the army ready. We've got to get them out doing push-ups. We've got to get them out running around the uh, acreage here and getting him in shape, doing push-ups, working out. He says, okay, be strong and courageous, Joshua, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Now we see be strong and, cur- and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law the servant, my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Now, at this particular part of the scripture here, you know, we can sort of get a little bit tied up because it says to obey all the law that Moses gave you. And the New Living Translation translates it to obey all the instructions my servant Moses gave you. 
And uh, so and what we're talking about here is not the law as far as the rules and the regulations and thou shalt not. Uh, if we take a look at what we're talking about, just a little taste of what we're talking about in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're all familiar with this because we read this at our child dedications. These are the commands and the decrees, the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land you are crossing to the Jordan to possess. So that you and your children and your children's children may, uh, after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all the decrees and the commandments that I have given you. And so that you may enjoy a long life. Hear, O Israel, be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God, your fathers promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. And then this is really where it shows the commitment to us. And this, I think, that we need to apply today in our own lives. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gates. Uh, you know, I love that. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you're walking down the road, when you're driving down the road, when you're uh, getting up in the morning for breakfast, when you're going to sleep at night. Talk about the things of the Lord and, and the Word of God, the law of God. Psalm 1 is an interpretation of this particular part of the Scriptures, and it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, in the Word of God. And on his word does he meditate day and night. And the interesting thing in this part of the scripture, he says in verse 6, Be strong and courageous because you will lead this people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. And then it says, Be strong and very courageous. And the reason that he's saying this again, and he's saying being very courageous, is because he says, Be very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it from the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. New Living Translation says don't be distracted. Don't, be, um, don't deviate from to the right or to the left. And what's going on, what the, the writer here is saying that it's going to take more character for you because this is the way to do this is by putting the things of the Spirit first, the Word of God first. It's not about going and taking... Uh, and worrying about uh, the enemy, the high walls, the, strong, the many people. It's about focusing on the word of God. He says in verse 8, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And so it's not about rules and regulations that we're talking about here. It's about meditating on this book, on this word. We have the blueprint for life. We have the manual for uh, being able to live a successful life in the Lord. And so um, we need to understand that this book is a book that needs to really be in us. It needs to be a part of our lives. As a young guy, I uh, looked at this scripture and it meant so much to me because it says, you know, meditate on the word day and night that you might be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Well, I wanted to be successful in God. Like God had made it, to, made it very clear to me that he was very real. 
And so I figured, well, okay, if I can meditate on this word day and night, then I should be okay with things. And so I would take this, and I would read it in the mornings, and then I would just sort of fall asleep when I was reading it. And as a young Christian, that got very frustrating because I wanted to read the word, but I couldn't stay awake. And I was reading, sleeping, reading, sleeping. And uh, as I shared earlier, that uh, this man named Walter Russell just challenged me with my attitude of the word. This isn't just a book we're reading. Uh, we, you know, we can get overwhelmed by the size of this book and the amount of reading there is in here, but there's a way to read it. Pastor Paul's committed to helping us learn how to read the word, how to interpret the word, and how to make this word a part of our lives. And Walter Russell, as he challenged my thinking on changing my attitude to read this book with anticipation, to look at this book with expectation when you're reading it. And so from that moment on, you know, I never fell asleep again after that. Because when I was reading it, I would read it, not in the amount I wanted to read it, but in what I was reading. And as I read it, I would read, you know, after getting down to this part, be strong and very courageous, be careful to obey all the law. But this part, I highlighted, uh, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. I'm thinking, what does that mean? And it means is don't stop thinking about it. Don't stop speaking it. Don't stop praying. When you're praying, pray the word. Just keep on speaking it. Let it be such a part of your life that it's all consuming to you. And if, uh, like Jesus says, that if we love him, that we will obey his commands. Uh, you know, so like the word has to be everything to us. And as the word's everything to us, it's our instruction manual for life. It's what helps us to get through this life. Uh, it says that God's ways are not our ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. So then, you know, we have to stop and say, okay, well, what are your ways? Well, here they are. Chapter 12 of Romans, verse 1, it says that to, uh, not to conform to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we can't be transformed by the renewing of our minds if we're not reading this book. And it's more than reading this book. It's not a matter of getting through this book at high rates of speed. It's a matter of reading this book with anticipation of what God's saying in this book. Because he says this book is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. And it's a dividing of the soul and the spirit, judging the thoughts and intents of our heart. This is just a book. This is just a physical book. But it's the spirit in which God breathes within us that helps us to read it. First Corinthians chapter 2 talks about this word is spiritually discerned. And so as we're reading with anticipation and we're looking through it, God was telling Joshua it's going to take a lot more character, Joshua, than going out there and knocking down those walls and taking out all those people and those great big giants. That's nothing. This is where you're supposed to be focusing, he says. Be very courageous and be careful, being careful to do everything written in here. So God was telling Joshua, if you don't get this right, don't worry about that out there because this is where you need to be focused. In our lives, this is where we need to be focused. There's a lot of giants in our land. There's a lot of stuff going on. We've built up some mountains ourselves. And uh, everything comes down to focus right here on the Word of God. The Word of God is living and it's active and it judges the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Our, you know, Jesus... In Revelation, let those who have an ear hear what the Spirit is saying. Do you have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying? You know, if, if you don't know whether you have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying, I ask all the time, God, give me ears to hear. Help me to hear. 
And when I feel like maybe I'm getting a little cold, and God, draw me to yourself. You know, like we just got to watch our hearts and keep in tune with the Lord and desire the things of God because we do get cold. We do fluctuate. It's human nature. You know, we do. We just go. We come and we go and we move. And, but we have to stay focused with the Lord. And um, there's so much grace with God. It's not about rules and it's not about being good enough. That's got nothing to do with it, which is great because I would be such a loser. <laughs> it's about relationship. Jesus says, I'm the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was made through God, through Jesus. It was made for Him. And it says in verse 14, He became flesh, dwelt among us. His own didn't recognize Him. He's the Word. Joshua means Jesus, deliverer. And uh, so I want to encourage you this morning. See, it's only 20 after, and I'm just about done here. <laughs> I want to encourage you to, to really take seriously what the Word of God is all about. It is the blueprint for our life. It is foundational for everything we're doing. You know, all the stresses that we have in life, we need to stop and think about, okay, where are they coming from? What is it leading to? Pay a price if you have to, to, to get rid of these stresses in our lives. One thing that God did in my life that made me really realize the importance of the word, and you know, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, but I went, when I was younger, I went through a depression, like quite a severe depression. I was about 25, 27 years old. I remember I went home from work because I just, my head was just spinning. And I got home and I was sitting on the couch and my mind, I, you know, I can't even explain the feeling of the, uh, what was going on in my head, but I felt like if I put a bullet in my head, it would feel good. I felt like it would scratch whatever it was that was going on in there. I felt like a bullet would feel good compared to this. I can totally sympathize with people that get to a desperate place in their life and they feel like they're really, it's just, it's too tough. And uh, when I thought that, I thought, wow, that kind of scared me. And I went to the doctor, and uh, I just told him, I said, I feel like I'm going crazy. I said, I don't know what's going on in my head. He said, you're depressed. And I said, I'm not depressed. I'm going crazy. But I'm not depressed. I didn't feel sad. I didn't feel bad. But then he gave me some medication, which took off that edge right away, which was, oh, such relief. The depression was horrible, but that other was unbearable like it was unbearable I don't know how long I could have lasted with that the way it was going but that medication took the edge off and then so for the next year in my life I spent depressed like really depressed I couldn't see any good in life I couldn't think of anything I wanted to do I couldn't you know set goals of any kind because I didn't care I just didn't want to I didn't feel like it you know when somebody talks about being depressed I'll tell you depression there's more a lot more to depression than being sad and like you think, if you think, uh, you know, I'll just snap out of it. Just, you know, think of something positive stuff. You don't understand depression. It's an awful, awful thing. And uh, so anyways, it took me a year, but I just felt like, okay, it was just, you know, like this thing was just gripping me. And so what I went and did was I thought, okay, I took and I wrote out a verse. Nobody told me. I don't even know where I come from. Probably the Spirit of God, obviously. I'd find a verse. I'd write it out. And not a verse that would particularly be speaking to whatever I was going through or how I was feeling, but I would write it out and I'd put it in my pocket. And as long as I was, had my mind set on the word, on that little scripture, I felt like, okay, I was depressed. And that was lousy, but I was burying it. I, it was bearable. But then when I found that all of a sudden I was just getting to the place where I couldn't, you know, it's like paralyzing to you. 
And I was getting to where I couldn't do it. This all of a sudden I realized I wasn't thinking about the scripture. And so this went on for a full year. And like I felt like I was going to go crazy just trying to discipline myself to try and think of these scriptures all the time. But after a year, I got through that. And, uh, you know, I think that that's probably where God just really did a work of discipline and about uh, taking my mind and, and bringing my thoughts captive. And, uh, and also another thing that I did was I would put the Bible on at night and I would just uh, turn it on and I had a cassette player and I'd wake up and flip it over and go back to sleep, wake up and flip it over. Now I put uh, headphones in and I just listen to it all night long as I go to sleep. And uh, so the words always going through, even that was going to drive me crazy for a while. You have this noise going in your head 20, all night long. But it's amazing, you know. Now I can't sleep without it. <laughs> but it's amazing. The word, get the word in us because it's the word of God. And I thought, man, if I can get this in me, somehow get this in me, it can only be good. And so that's what I did. I worked hard at getting the word in me in that way. And it eventually, like, I know the depression wore, like, it, it just got less and less. And eventually I got to the place where I felt like, okay, I can feel like there's some things maybe I want to accomplish in life instead of just feeling like I don't care if I accomplish anything. I don't care if I even wake up tomorrow. I'd rather not wake up tomorrow. But uh, praise God for his word because, man, I haven't suffered with that depression since like that. I pray. I was visiting one of uh, the people in our church here at the hospital and he was going through that same kind of thing. And as I was sitting beside his bed and I was talking to him and he was sharing what was going on in his heart, I'll tell you, that feeling come over me again and I just thought, Wow. I forgot what that felt like, you know, and I told him, like, just I could comfort him because he knew I understood what he was going through. It's very comforting when somebody is really struggling and they know what you're, that you know what they're going through because I didn't know whether I was ever going to get better from this. That was one of the most terrifying things. Like, I didn't seem to have anybody to talk to, but I didn't know whether this was going to be something that was going to go on forever. If it was, I thought, man, I'll never make it. If this is the way it's going to be. But I did get better. And if you suffer with depression, come see me, because I sure do know what you're talking about. Uh, but uh, I want to encourage you with the Word of God. It is our blueprint for life. And as I studied this scripture, and I meditated on this scripture, and I thought, okay, you know, where are we going with this scripture? The whole thing about Joshua, he had a huge task to go in there and conquer that land beyond what anybody can do. But God's challenge to him was, Joshua, it's going to take more character for you to stay focused on the word and make the word the priority because that's where the victory is going to come from. It's not going to be coming from the size of the army. It's not going to be coming from all the things that you're going to do against the enemy. It's coming from the word of God. And so I want to encourage you. My son, he works in uh, Vancouver right now, and he works in construction, and he's just uh, starting a project uh, office complex of some kind, and, and he's at home, and he's got all the blueprints at home, and he's got them laid out, and he's studying the blueprints. He's meditating on them. He's measuring. He's getting it figured out where all the walls are going to go. And, you know, he's just, he works hard to study these blueprints so that he can get this building project right and doesn't make some mistakes and all of a sudden the doors don't fit or the windows don't fit or the roof falls in, you know. And that's what I've got sitting right here because, you know, our book, the Bible, is the blueprint for life. If we're not reading the blueprint for life, we're not walking with that in our mind in the foremost and the first thing we think about in the morning, you know, it's got to be the Word. Got to get the Word in there and think about the Word and and uh, fellowship with Christ. Man, it's our creator, and he wants to have a relationship with us. It's living. It's active, you know, and he wants to guide our lives. 
And so as I'm thinking about that word and stuff like that, I thought, well, you know, it'd be great because it is a blueprint. These here are the blueprints of this church when it was first built. And on this blueprint, there's all kinds of stuff. You know, you see the pilings, and you see the footings, and there's a lot of stuff that we don't see now, but it's holding up this whole building, everything you see. And that's the word, the word of God there. It's the foundation for our lives. If we're not taking that word and, you know, like uh, Jabin, my son, he, we had him come in and uh, a leadership seminar we did down in um, Kingsfold and had him teaching on, you know, uh, the word of God and a leader's life. And he taught on, taught on uh, valuing the word of God. And we need to value the word of God. That is our lifeline. That's our lifeline. If we think we can just sort of slough through life, you know, James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We listen to the word and we say, oh, that's a good word, and we walk out of here. It says if we don't put it into practice, we're like a person who looks at our face in a mirror, we turn around, and we immediately forget what we look like. You know, and if we're doing that and we're walking, oh, that's a good sermon. Yeah, I don't remember really what it was about, but it was a good sermon. I remember, yeah, it was good, but... If we don't put it into practice, we forget it. And then we seem to come to conclusions, oh, I just don't agree with that or whatever's going on in life. Or, oh, that should be all right. But what does the word say? That's our foundation for life. That's our blueprint for life. We need to follow the blueprint for life. And it's not hard to follow the blueprint for life. God doesn't expect you to take that book and know that whole book overnight. You know, but boy, it's amazing what he can breathe into you and just one word in that book. It's amazing. And if we just say, Lord... Help me to understand the scriptures. You know, it talks about this children of Israel that went into the promised land this time here. And it said, Moses was saying, I, when he's speaking to them just before he dies, he says, I realize that your heart, your eyes are not opened. You don't yet understand who the Lord is. But, you know, you've got to keep this word. Well, you know, we have the spirit of Christ living within us. Moses had the spirit in him. Not many people had the Spirit in them in the Old Testament days, but we have the Spirit in us. And when we're reading that book, and we're reading that book with anticipation, it's life in it, and it'll come alive. And those parts of the Scripture that come alive to you, take those parts and put them in your pocket and think about them through the day. Meditate on them. Maybe you're, they're so profound to you, you're going to meditate on them for the whole week. Guess what? That's okay. That's good. So, oh, man, I'm not reading much. Who cares? If you're getting a piece of the scripture and it's the life-giving word it's, and it's for you, that's what you want. You can read all that, all you want. It doesn't mean a thing if you haven't got the spirit, the life in it. You know, take that book. It's the foundation of everything we are as God's people. And if we took that book and we really uh, saw it for what it is and took it, read it, just meditated on it, thought about it through the day and shared it with our kids and it really become a part of our life. It's amazing how life would come into line and you know, finding God's will for our life would be not quite so difficult because he says in Romans chapter 1 that as we're not conforming to the patterns of this world, we're being a living sacrifice, not conforming. We will know his pleasing and perfect will. And that's what we want to do. We want to know God's will. We want to do God's will. And when we get to heaven, we want to hear those lovely words, enter into thy rest, thy good and faithful servant. Amen. But we have to do the word. We have to know the word before we can do the word. And God, Joshua was challenged. The word, Joshua. Not the enemy, not the mountains, not the strength, you know, all these people. It's not the land. It's the word. This blueprint here, you can take a look at it if you want to afterwards. But this is the blueprint of this sanctuary. 
And uh, it's pretty neat. I thought it was neat when I was looking for blueprints and I found this. But without this blueprint, none of this could have ever even begun to happen. And it's the same thing with our life. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've given us, Lord God, the blueprint for life, the instruction manual that we could live a healthy life, Father. You tell us to lean not on our own understanding, but to trust in you and do good. Father, I pray that you would help us and draw us to reading your word, but not just putting in time reading so we can say we did it, but we would read it, that we would pay attention to what we're reading and that your spirit, Lord, would just breathe the life into us and we would hear and see what you have in store for us each day. And so, Lord, I pray that Bibles are bought, apps are downloaded, and that we just take your word, we meditate on it, and we just uh, grow in you and get to become more like you. And, and uh, Father, we pray for our community, that we, they would see what they should see when they look at the church, that they would see a people that care, Father God, about what you care about, that they would be looking at us and they would see, Father, that we're people of integrity and we're honest, and we're not people, Lord God, that are raging and uh, uh, just doing these things, Lord, that uh, I think, you know, we tend to do. I pray that they would see godly people that care about them and that they would see you, Lord God, in us. So I just pray your blessing on us, Lord. Draw us to yourself. Open the eyes of our understanding as we read, our, we read your word. Give us ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.